Hello, and welcome to episode two of Starting Nowhere. Today, my guest is a family friend that I haven't spoken to in over 10 years. Her name is Cindy Meyer, and I talked to her about her consulting business, how life in the pandemic is, and really how likely she is to be a suspect of murdering her husband. Please stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. We have Miss Cindy here. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit because obviously we go way back, so I don't want to step on any toes and I'll let you introduce yourself. I don't want to give too much background on you. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm Cindy Mayer, and um, I live in New Jersey. I have known you, Brandon, for shoot, almost all your life, probably mm -hmm. since you were mm, very young. Let's put it like that. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm actually from New Jersey, but I used to live in Ohio, which is where we met. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or I met your mother and we became very, very good friends. And um, we hung out a lot and um, my kids and you and your siblings um, were very close. And um, that's where I am today. I um, recently started my own business um, it's called CA Mayor Consulting, and I do grant writing and um, develop promotional materials and white papers and any type of marketing materials that companies um, need and want to use to um, advance their business and their mission and vision and goals. And um, yeah, so that's what I do. That's who I am. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I do want to circle back to your business probably here in a little bit. Uh, but before that, I want to uh, stay on the personal tip for a second. Uh, when do you think the last time you and I actually spoke was? It's, by my estimate, it's been at least 10 to 15 years probably or something. I, I can't. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. It has to be. I want to say, was it early high school? It might be, but to be honest, I don't remember much of the time. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it had to be around that time, maybe early high school for you. Okay, that, that makes sense. So that, just to date myself really quick for everybody who's listening, uh, who will be listening, I should say, that's probably mm -hmm. 17 years ago then, I think now. I think yeah. I'm about yep. 17-year mark from high school, so... Okay, that makes sense. That that seems to be in line with what I thought. Um, I, I ran into well, Ray. Brandon, you, you know, you're making me feel very old with all this, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, trying to recall the years and everything. <laughs> well, the good news, uh, especially for, for you and my mother both, is that um, we're not that far apart in age. So even though it right. was 17 years ago, that's that's not really that telling of either of our ages, I don't think. Just be, Well, mine probably, because I can figure out high school, but... Uh, mm -hmm. We're still pretty close together in age, so that that gap has not grown. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and uh, so the yeah. great thing, the great thing is that your mother used to give me all of you guys's hand-me-downs. So my kids, I like yeah, didn't yeah. have to shop for a very long time, especially for Ray, my son. <laughs> that, that's he, he got like all your hand-me-downs as a kid. Yeah, and Ray's kind of told me that. Um, some of the reasons he picked up skateboarding and things like that were because of me, which is hilarious to hear because I was never good at it. He's far better <laughs> than I ever was at it. And he stayed with it a lot longer as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, because I ran into Ray a couple years back in New York City when I went to visit uh, for the first time, I think before I mm -hmm. deployed. 
for the second time. Uh, so got to run into Ray and obviously he's grown up a lot, just had a baby and everything. So, I mean, yes. you want to talk about feeling old, you know, the, the little kid who you, we used to kick around with, uh, well, I used to kick around with now has a kid, you know what I mean? So I know. How about that? It amazes me every single day. And um, in fact, they were here this past weekend, as you know, with the baby, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was nice. Um, interestingly, um, I don't know if you know this, but Ray suffers from epilepsy. I did not know that. And he actually had a seizure this weekend. It was the first time that I'd seen it mm-hmm. um, because he didn't have this condition until probably about uh, maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. it started and anyway so it was a very um trying weekend um to say the least but you know we got to spend time together and i got uh to spend time with the baby so well I'm happy. Than, oh, i think i turned it the wrong way i'm getting a lot of feedback on your end sorry okay. uh well other than the um the epileptic seizure. I'm hoping that the spending the time with the the grandkid was good. Uh, so I'm also I'm taking it because of your tone that Ray is doing okay now. Yes, he is doing fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, so, how did that diagnosis process, I guess, kind of go? I, I don't honestly myself know anyone with epilepsy. So, how did he kind of discover that he had it? If you're okay, come talking about that, of course. Yeah, of course. So, um, actually. He was living in New York and working at the airport. And what happened? He was out with friends and had what appeared to them to be a seizure. So they got him to the hospital. So I I drove over there to Queens, New York, to the hospital. And um, they didn't really diagnose him, but they just said he had a seizure, you know, and 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 that was the start of it. And so then from there, he had probably a seizure every, it started to get a little more frequent, um, not like people that suffer from it in, a, in a, 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 a more frequent, you know, occurrence, but he started to get him like maybe once every two years, uh, no, two or three times a year. Um, anyway, we finally got him on medication and it has kind of leveled out. So this was the first seizure that he had in a year. And we found out that he had run out of his medication two days before. So I'm hoping that that might've been the problem. And he's, you know, refilled his prescription, he's back on the meds and I'm hoping that we will go a very long stretch (laughs) without another seizure, seizure, if not forever. Because it's a scary thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, having again only seen them in in um, by recording and everything, and never seeing them in person, I can only imagine the the feeling you would have seeing, a, especially a loved one, not just even a stranger. I would imagine would be terrifying, but a loved one, especially, sure. and not really being able to do too much in that moment, you know, to kind of help them. Yeah. That's got to be uh, terrifying. It was terrifying, and I was actually holding the baby, and I just kind of like threw him to his mother and said, take the baby and, you know, rush to, to help him. But anyway, he is doing well. He's doing better. Um, I saw him yesterday mm-hmm. uh, briefly and he was with the baby and it was a very sweet moment and he was better. And so things are good. Can't mm-hmm. complain. 
Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, like I said, I, I always hope the best for Ray, uh, even though as a kid, you know, we obviously, I gave him a lot of crap. That's, that's my job, but uh, he's a good yeah, dude. Yeah, it was. So I'll make sure that I, I start that up again here soon. I'll reach out to him just to give him crap, you know. That's, uh, that's the only way I show my affection for the most part is by talking crap to people. Awesome. He needs it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So other than the big, uh, the big grandchild coming into the world and everything like that, how's your 2020 been? I know it's been a year of adjustment for all of us, but uh, just interested to see how it's been for you. 2020 has been a very difficult year, um, obviously for everyone. Um, for me, it's presented um, some significant challenges, but also some opportunities. Um, as far as the opportunities, it really has helped my business grow um, because the bulk of my business is grant writing and, um, you know, funding is changing <laughs> and the way people raise money um, and secure funds is changing. And so people are looking for assistance in grant writing um, to kind of pick up the slack of some of the things that they couldn't do throughout the year. Um, for example, a lot of charities will do fundraising events. Um, well, they couldn't do that in 2020, right? Because we were on lockdown and we're still kind of navigating through this world and still so social distancing. Um, so there are nonprofits that really couldn't do their typical fundraising activities for the year. Um, so I'm trying to help them recoup some of those funds uh, via grant funds. And so that, you know, obviously, unfortunately has, has offered, you know, an opportunity for me to, to grow my business. And that's exactly what's happening. Um, the challenges have been, you know, um, the isolation, you know, the, the fear, um, I was a bit of a germaphobe before the pandemic. And so it's just made it 10 times worse. Um, and and it's, it's really scary. We um, were planning to, actually, we had planned to go to uh, Orlando, Florida to a friend's uh, wedding reception. And then we were gonna take a week and drive out to the West Coast of Florida and have our vacation and my husband and I, and we, we canceled that. We're still going to Florida against my better judgment, but we're still going for three days for the, um, for the reception and then we're coming right back home. So, you know, there are a lot of things like that that had to change for us. Um, you know, my face-to-face -face communications um, couldn't do that anymore. Um, at the beginning of the year, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned this, but I'm also an adjunct professor at a local community college. And, you know, we had to very quickly adjust to an online platform. And I think that was a big change, not only for me, but for the students. And, um, you know, the way I teach and um, it, it was, I, I could tell it was difficult for them. It was you know, certainly a challenge for me and an adjustment for me. Um, so, you know, there have been a lot of changes like that. And personally, um, I don't know if you're, you have, are familiar with Michelle Obama's podcast, and she talked about having um, 
what does she call it, um, low level depression, you know, just from the isolation and the, you know, um, the, the somewhat the, the trauma this crisis has has brought to um, to people, and I'd have to agree with that. You know, I definitely experience some times of you know where it's it's you know just it's troublesome more so than any other crisis that I've had to deal with in my lifetime. Absolutely, I don't think, in some sense. It wouldn't make sense if we were able to go through what we've gone through this year and not feel something from it. Uh, yeah. if, if you're able to do that drastic of an adjustment to your lifestyle and experience nothing, you're either one of the most well-balanced people or the more likely outcome mm -hmm. is that your life was already in disarray and you're, you're able <laughs> right. to kind of keep going because of that. So uh, I, I can't right. say that I'm intimately familiar with Michelle Obama's podcast. I know that my girlfriend's been uh, very excited when she saw it pop up on Spotify. I have to admit mm -hmm. one of the weirdest things that, um, that I, I've done since I stopped having a commute, because as we were kind of talking about before we started, I've been working home for uh, over a year now. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, listen, I used to listen to podcasts on my commute. Now that I have no commute, I, my podcast listening went down like 100%. I barely touch Absolutely. on them. It's because it's, I can't sit still for, you know, the hour to two to three or whatever it was anymore uh, when I was listening to the podcast. So I, I have not right. touched upon that yet. I think I do need to journey back into the land of podcasts. I've been missing out on a lot of stuff, obviously. So. Yeah, no, and I feel you on that. And I used to get a lot of my news from morning shows um, on during my commute and, you know, on my way home, and I don't have that anymore. So I almost feel um, a lot of times like I'm out of touch. You know, I try to stay up on, you know, the regular news, um, but, you know, there's like entertainment news and, you know, cultural things that are going on that I'm not um, privy to because I'm not listening to you know the shows that i used to listen to on my commute to work so yeah absolutely. i can definitely relate and one of the things that i think that is uh is kind of missing in today's society is a news aggregator there used to be you know again to date myself uh yahoo used to be that news aggregator and i think with the rise right. of social media a lot of times we've gotten to uh aggregation of news by our friends but mm -hmm. The problem with that is I think what's interesting to us usually is the very same thing time in and time out. And so you're not getting a diversified news set like we used to from these other mm -hmm. news aggregators. And But again, now that we're learning uh, all this stuff about uh, how these algorithms are written and how they're, they're biased in themselves because the people who writ wrote them were biased, I'm also interested mm -hmm. to see uh, how the algorithm would even work anymore or go on news aggregator would work anymore because most of the ones I'm aware of, Flipboard and just some of the old ones, even I think Google has its own, they just go off of what mm -hmm. you like. So it just creates your right. own echo chamber again, instead of getting a, again, diversified news set like you would from a, a let's go way back, right? A newspaper, and the newspaper just reported everything and you kind of picked out what you actually were interested in reading, but it had it all available if you wanted mm -hmm. to. I don't know that that right. exists anymore. Well, it's funny that you say that because I spent the afternoon at my mother's house and they still get the the daily newspaper. That's awesome. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I wanted to sit down and read it, but I had other things that I was doing while I was there. But yeah, they still do that. So um, it is definitely a dying breed. Um, social media, I don't trust the information there. So mm -hmm. um, I, you know, there's, there's fake news, if you will. And um, so I really try to avoid getting my information from social media 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes, especially in these times, it's it's almost like inevitable, you know? Yeah. Cause you're on social media just by default every day anyway, right? So yeah. I try not to to take what's on social media for gospel and either do my research myself or, you know, um, seek out news outlets that I trust for giving me um, um, appropriate and and fact-checked information. I think with social media in particular, but a lot of different news sources, uh, it should just be used as a jumping off point. Because again, with how powerful Google is, uh, I think you look at something, a story that anybody has shared and go, that's interesting or that doesn't look right or whatever it is. And then you go and you do a little bit, I don't want to call it a deep dive because it's not we're Googling and then we're reading one article, but you should just look a little bit beyond whatever they have chosen to share. And it's not even because your friends uh, or my friends for that matter are bad at sharing and bad at being discerning with information. It's just because sometimes you need to get a full perspective of it. And that's something I've actually been kind of talking about lately with people is that we have a lot of this politicized news that people talk about, you know, liberal uh, bias in the mainstream media, then you have Fox News and all this stuff. I think it's concerning for me that we are comfortable with that being the case. Not that there is a bias media, excuse me, liberal media bias, uh, or that Fox News exists or anything, but the fact that we have allowed ourselves to create these echo chambers of news sources instead of having, let's say, a balanced news set. Why, like, this would be a really funny show, I feel like, but Bill O'Reilly next to Anderson Cooper, there's your balance, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let him yeah, just go, right, right. go back and forth and have that be how you present the news. I think that's realistically how you'd get a more complete perspective, or at least because of the two polar opposites they would present, you could go, all right, well, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, and now I can actually feel better about what I'm learning instead of getting uh, a singular view of whatever the story is, you know? Yeah, so it's funny that you say that because I do try to balance um, where I get my news from. I try to um, listen to both Fox and um, CNN and other um, news uh, outlets Mm -hmm. because I want to get a wide perspective of what, you know, the information that's being presented. Um, And I agree with you the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. And I think I have enough common sense and um, life history um, to be able to make that uh, discern, you know, what's fact and what's fiction. Um, And I do my own research as well, but it is nice to get different perspectives because when you just listen to one, that's all you get, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you're only getting their view. And I need a little more than that especially before I make very important decisions about um, my life and my world and um, the people I love that are in it. I think that's how I actually manage my friends list. There is definitely, and uh, some of them may see this and start questioning, but there are people on my friends list that I keep around solely because I disagree with them solely because I know that they're going to share information that is completely polar opposite to my own uh, information set or personal beliefs. And I think it's Mm -hmm. very good to kind of keep that information coming into my face as well, not only because it shows a different perspective, but it also lets me know what is the counter perspective to what I do personally believe? Why do they believe what they believe and where do they come from? And again, on any side of any issue, you're going to have zealots. You're going to have people who just don't know and just feel, and they run with that. Mm -hmm. 
but I think it's mm -hmm. also there are people that I disagree with uh, on a fundamental basis that are well informed about the issue. They are well informed about why mm -hmm. they feel the way they feel, and I can respect that, even if I don't disagree with. Excuse me, even if I don't agree with them, and so I keep them on my Facebook simply because of that. Now, some people are not good for my mental health to keep on my Facebook, but I still do it. I still try to challenge myself and to uh, quote David Goggins, you know, try to callous my mind by seeing. Uh, the sheer hatred, lunacy, idiocy, whatever you want to call it, that some people put out there without, mm -hmm. again, they don't fact check anything. Uh, and you, I've done this before right. with some people and I try to do it politely as possible, but they post whatever story they've posted. And again, it's usually from uh, realinfo.net.org, that's slash whatever. Mm -hmm. And you go and you do a Google and you mm -hmm. find out that none of it's factual. It's it's completely inaccurate. Right. And that was the, the next thing I kind of wanted to get your, your your take on because I think this is where we're going to go in the near future because people have such a distaste and distrust for the main media sources, including Fox news, mm -hmm. including CNN and all those, how do we continue to balance allowing smaller voices into the room, but also vetting them at the same time. And to just to illustrate kind of what I mean, there are smaller sources of news that we have not, we're not familiar with that do report the truth. However, how do we vet and make sure that they're reporting truth and not just, spewing out a different perspective because it's convenient to their own agenda. Right. Um, that's a good question. And if, if somebody has an answer to that, let me know because um, they would be genius. Um, I honestly don't know how to answer that. Um, I really, I honestly don't. It's funny because here in New Jersey, um, it's a little different from Ohio where we lived for a very long time in that our news sources come from New York. We only have maybe one or two stations here in New Jersey and they're very small and they're usually um, uh, not heavily watched. So um, our local news isn't really so local unless it's something major drastic that has happened, but it's generally, you know, focused and from uh, New York news. So, you know, that's very different from, you know, where we lived in Ohio in that you have news stations pretty much in every regional area of the state. In other words, you know, we lived in Dayton, so we had a, um, we had several news stations in Dayton that covered, you know, probably, let's say, a 70 mile radius outside of um, the Dayton, Ohio uh, area. And, uh, you know, same thing for Cincinnati and, you know, some of the other larger cities. Um, so we were well informed, or at least in my opinion, well informed about what was going on at any given time in our regional area. And then nationally, we, we watched the national news, you know, but um, locally, we knew what was going on. Here, it's a little different because you really don't know what's going on um, unless you you know, subscribe to some of these smaller news outlets that may or may not um, cover certain things. Um, but we, we're not privy to, you know, if somebody, if my neighbor um, shot his wife across the street, knock on wood, I hope that never <laughs> ever happens. I happen to like them. But, you know, I'm putting that out as a hot take. I'm telling everybody that happened and you're the official news source for this. That's how I'm going to spin this for sure. Um, you know, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know about that. That would not be covered in the news. Mm -hmm. Now, um, 
it, it, now with that said, here's something a little funny. I have a neighbor next to me, not the one across the street that potentially could shoot his wife, but the one <laughs> next to me. Um, and he, we, he's like the busybody of the neighborhood. Hmm. So he knows everything that's going on. So when we want to know something like, oh, the power's out, what's going on? We go over next door to him because he knows everything. Um, in fact, the neighbor that um, I joke about, you know, him shooting his wife, but his wife actually went to, went to jail for like a year for embezzlement just recently and so she was gone we didn't see her so what do we do we go to the neighbor and he proceeds to tell us the whole story about her situation and getting a year in jail or like 364 days so she didn't have to do um, um prison time so she stayed in county jail anyway so i guess all that said sometimes it pays to have a nosy neighbor absolutely it sounds like you live in uh, one of those real housewives of whichever one that she didn't i think was new york or something like that and that just shows you how much my girlfriend's tv watching is seeping into my brain because i think one of them did go to jail for embezzlement so i feel like now you're living in that neighborhood and that's all i'm picturing in my head uh so i'm gonna need to come over once this pandemic is over and see that pool and all that stuff that i know you got now yeah um brandon <laughs> i wouldn't um you know hold my breath on that but you are welcome to come here i have a house now with extra bedrooms no pool but um i do have places for you to stay so actually i live in jersey but i live in the mountains of new jersey so i live in the northern northwest side of the state and it's actually a lot more peaceful here i'm, I'm, I'm from you know um another county that's very busy and has a lot of cities and you know it's right outside of new york so it's like a little new york um but i moved up here three years ago four years ago and it has been very nice and very peaceful well uh, this is gonna be a reoccurring theme i feel like but i'm pretty dumb geographically so the mm -hmm. first thing that i'm learning right now is that new jersey has mountains didn't know had no idea that new jersey even had mountains uh but to yes. be fair i i never think about what states do other than like montana of course uh <laughs> and second i could not be in an opposite location i'm in miami uh in the city and in the city. <laughs> i am so jealous about that thank you very much don't be it's uh right around the time that uh, we finally got out to explore because we came here for my girlfriend to go to uh, the PhD program and mm -hmm. she, she her first couple semesters were just stressful and there was a lot of work and so we didn't get to go out much and then right after that she's like all right I finally hit my stride and we went out literally the day that we went out uh, I think two days after that's when they started shutting everything down so we haven't really got to go out and explore very much uh, yeah which which is very unfortunate but at the same time the weather you can't beat the weather uh, I, can't beat it we, we lived in Tampa. Right? I'm sorry, what'd you say? You're in Miami, right? Correct, yes. See, I love Miami. Um, I, I could I could go to Miami four or five times a year and be <laughs> very happy, okay? Um, in fact, um, actually, the kids and I used to go quite a bit when they were younger and meet um, my family. We would make our vacations. We would meet in, you know, usually somewhere in Florida, and Miami was a big hit. So I'm so jealous of you. And if I ever get to Miami, you're going to be the first person I call.
Absolutely. We got the extra bed and everything for a reason. So I'm paying this extra money for it. It might as well get used. So, well, yeah. So now we just need to get rid of this whole pandemic and then maybe we can actually make that happen. <laughs> well, that, that's the funny part. I think by the time the pandemic completely settles down to the point where people are actually living a real life, uh, mm -hmm. we'll be about ready to move out of here probably. But to be fair, also, Miami is um, Miami was the hotbed for the world for their hot minute because a lot of Miami people were living their life. They were not, they were not staying indoors and they were not shutting down because uh, obviously you grab yourself a six pack and we live by the water. So people grab a six pack and they just go out there and they hang out. Now you've got 40, 50 people, no masks, no anything like that. And we're talking about really right. in the height of it when it was uh, the curve had not gotten flattened at all. And so that's why our curve took so long to actually move. Yeah. Well, at that time, I really stayed isolated. So that was very difficult for me. Um, you know, the first, I want to say, what, two months? And especially here, you know, that's all that was on, on TV was, you know, 24-hour coronavirus information. And so that was, that was a tough time. And I don't know about there, but, you know, we still don't have, like, indoor dining. They just opened up outdoor dining. They just opened up, you know, um, um, hair salons and barber shops and all of that. And, you know, there's still um, state um, uh, agencies and things that have not opened up. So it's been a real challenge in a lot of different ways for, for us in New Jersey and, you know, in the Northeast um, in general. I don't think you're unique there. I think that that's true mm -hmm. for the majority of the places uh, that I'm aware of. And here in Florida, we actually, or Miami specifically, because that's the other thing. Florida did certain things and Miami had to do others because our we, our numbers were so high. So we opened mm. slower than the rest of Florida. And then we actually had to reverse uh, some of the phases that we'd gotten to. We had to shut them mm -hmm. back down. So we did have indoor yeah. dining uh, pretty early on and then they shut that back down. And it's, I think, getting ready to open back up again. What they did is mm -hmm. they said you could sit outdoors, uh, no mm -hmm. table, no bigger than four, six uh, feet apart and all that type of stuff. And now I think they're finally getting ready to open up indoor dining again at 25%, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But it's mm -hmm. finally getting back to open uh, indoor dining. So I'm very interested to see how this all progresses. And to be fair, I we haven't, indoor dine anywhere other than our houses since uh, this whole yeah. thing started. Thank God for DoorDash, Uber Eats, and uh, us cooking again, you know? <laughs> yes, for sure. And let me tell you, if nothing else, I have cooked some fantastic meals um, in my isolation here. Um, so that's been a good thing that I've experienced in, in this because it, it does, you know, inspire you to cook more. And then on the weekends, we'll do, you know, we'll order in or whatever, but I've, I've made some really fantastic meals. If I say anything else that ages me, this is going to be probably the most damning in that I've for a long time wanted a food processor and my girlfriend finally bought me one for my, my birthday. I mean, I was looking at America's Test Kitchen YouTube videos, like reviewing mm -hmm. food processors and all that stuff. I've never used a food processor in my life. And then even after she got it for me, it took me like probably two months before I actually used it or anything. But uh, mm. I finally started getting into it recently. And that's been the greatest tool for cooking. And we I made some really cool stuff uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, just using that and adding that to the mm -hmm. arsenal. So cooking by far has been one of the good things to come out of the uh, the pandemic and spending more time at home. And I, I just feel lucky to be able to in, be in a position where that is something I can say. You know what I mean? Not everybody's that lucky with how this whole thing is progressed. Yes, so true, so true.
And so. I, I think I'm, I'm getting to a point now where I could see my family more, which is which is nice. Um, the first few months, you know, I couldn't see my grandchild. Mm -hmm. um, Ray was not going to have that at all, um, which I understood, you know, it, better safe than sorry. And now I'm starting to see him more, starting to see my parents more. Um, so, so things are getting better. Um, they're just moving very slowly. Absolutely. I, I think my, one of my friend's parents made the news actually, cause she gave birth right around the, like right after things shut down. I want to say April timeframe. And so what they mm -hmm. did, they rent either rented or they owned, I don't recall, uh, but they took an RV anyways and parked it across the street from the hospital. Cause they weren't allowed in back then. And they had like, signs all over the uh, excuse me, the side of the RV saying, welcome to the world, whatever the baby's name is, I forget off the top of my head right now. And it ended mm -hmm. up making some, I think CNN or something like that uh, in Saint, from St. Petersburg, Florida. And I just thought that was hilarious how people, again, are trying to be adaptive and trying to show those same affections that we used to in just a different mm -hmm. manner. Because that's not something mm -hmm. I would have readily thought about. If you told me as a parent that I couldn't go see my grandkid, I'd probably be like, oh, well, you know, it's all right. I'll see him later. <laughs> but I would, never, I would not go out and rent an RV and park across the street and make signs. Mm -hmm. That says a lot about who I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think... Um... Uh, I don't, I don't know that I would have done that either. So, um, you know, great minds think alike, I guess. I'm just lazy. I'm lazy. And I, I know that baby's going to be here in a, a couple months when I get a chance to see him. It's just not something mm -hmm. that I grew up, I guess, around trying to head out as soon as possible to go see it. Cause I, I again, I know what would have happened though. I would have said something like that. And my girlfriend would have been like, no, we're, we're going, you know, and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> and then I'll do it. And I'll, I'll get like one of those little uh, 11, uh, excuse me, a uh, letter piece of paper, you know, just like this, this big and say they wouldn't be able to see it or anything like that. So I'm not making the news for any of those type of activities for sure. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Brandon, have you um, had anybody close to you or in your family that's been affected by um, the COVID-19 pandemic? I mean, or have had the virus rather? Uh, I have. I've had family members who have had it. I have also had some work colleagues, their, um, their family members have had it. Some of them have passed away from it. Uh, so right. it, it has affected the people that I would say relatively close to me. Um, mm -hmm. I've been, again, I've been lucky that I personally do not know anyone who's passed away from it. And, and again, mm -hmm. I count that among uh, the blessings of all this stuff, but um, it's been, like I said, it's, it's scary to get that text message or call, whatever it was, I forget at the time now, uh, and mm -hmm. you just don't know where that's going to go, and you hope, particularly because mm -hmm. some of the people that had it were of high risk, you know, they had pre-existing conditions and those type of things, too, so you, you start right. to be concerned with how that's going to turn out, but uh, I guess, again, got lucky and uh, have not seen anybody that I know personally, knocking on wood again, <laughs> pass away <laughs> from, from COVID-19 or any complications due to COVID-19. Yeah, so we had a very dear family friend. Um, they're really, she's almost like, well, she is kind of family. Um, she passed away on Easter. Oh, I'm sorry from, to hear that. Um, coronavirus. And what happened was she had been in the hospital. She had um, surgery, I believe, on her leg. And then they um, tested her so that they can transfer her to a um, assisted, not assisted living, but a rehab, rehabilitation um a center um so she tested negative they sent her to this center um she was there recuperating doing well and they were about to discharge her and then they tested her no 
did she, I think she came, she got a fever that morning and then tested positive and then died like the same day, which happened to be Easter. Um, so it, it, that was, that really threw us all for a loop and um, made me realize how close to home this, this really is, you know, it's not just some virus or pandemic that's affecting some people. Um, you know, it's really affecting people that I love and care about. And I have seen people sick from it. And I believe um, one of our, my husband and I, um, we have a, a, a friend, uh, two friends that are married that we hang out with sometimes. And um, I'll never forget that back in December, we went bowling and he was so sick. And he had all the classic symptoms of, you know, the coronavirus. And he firmly believes, and I think we agree, or we do agree, that he probably had it back then. Um, so I think it dates back longer than, you know, to when um, we actually started calling it a, or identifying it as an issue. I'm definitely interested to see if they follow up on those and try to see, uh, if they think people did, because the problem is from the latest research I, I saw recently that the antibodies only stay in the system for around three months for a lot of people, so up to six, I think for others. So mm -hmm. your friend's already outside that window. So you can't go back right. now and do an antibody test on that to find out if they did. Again, right. given what we know now and given what we have available to us at this moment, maybe they'll find something later that uh, can do that, or maybe we'll find the antibodies do last longer, whatever that ends up being. But I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it was around before we discovered it. That's how most of these things work, right? That we don't know about them, right. then they blow up, and then we find out they go back a lot farther than we originally thought. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's the case with this. But I'm hoping that, you know, um, we're looking forward to a brighter 2021. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, as, as, as used to, this as I'm getting, um, I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, I, I, I could probably go, you know, probably another year or so before I really have to start seeing people again. It'd be fine with me. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just antisocial enough and I don't know anybody here in Miami that <laughs> if I have to be completely self-centered, I'll be like, no, no, send it, you know, ahead, shut everything down mm -hmm. for, for longer. I got to know where I'm trying to be. Uh, I used to have to travel back to Tampa for once a month for work and that shut this, it, this shut that down. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. good. I'm just going to, I built myself a gaming PC, you know, I downloaded some games. I'm, I'm good for a hot minute. <laughs> so, yeah, but I wish but, I could say the same, but Netflix, Amazon prime, uh, Hulu, whatever video streaming service you have, they got to keep working. I need them to keep yeah. being out there and keeping it going. Now, if they shut that down, yeah, I got to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I do miss going out um, to dinner and meeting friends and having a glass of wine with dinner. Um, I do miss that, but um, I, I'm actually getting used to it and I'm okay. I'm okay with myself. Look, uh, I'll make a recommendation to you that we discovered since we've, uh, since the, uh, coronavirus and everything hit because we were going to go for our, our three-year anniversary. We were going to go to, um, Sonoma. We we're going to go out to Sonoma, you know, the wine country and everything. Huh? Uh, obviously that shut that down. So we were trying to figure out another way to really expand our wine drinking, uh, abilities. And so we found a service called Som Select. Oh man, uh -huh. they, they are amazing. Um, so they send you, they have three different programs. They have one, they send you four bottles based around some kind of idea. Some, so far the ones we've had have 
are sparkling wines that aren't champagne, uh, mm -hmm. California grapes that nobody knows about, and just mm -hmm. things. We had one that was rosé, which she just loved, um, and things like that. And then they have another one that's called the Psalm Six, which is just the sommeliers they have that work for them, uh, their favorite six bottles of wine this month that they, they're, they've been drinking and everything. You'll get some of the bottles. We've got a couple now. They're going to try to age around 10 years, you know, before we drink it, because that's they give you some aging recommendations on there, like how long you can age them and stuff. Uh, and then mm -hmm. the, the final one for like, if you're really trying to do something, they have blind six, which they send you the bottles wrapped in black, uh, mm -hmm. like a black paper or something like that. And you got to taste them mm -hmm. and try to guess the tasting notes, what kind of wine it is, you know, what region it's from and everything. And then they give you a card as well that you can like flip over and see how close you were and all that type of stuff as well. So we've oh, loved wow. it. And their customer service is amazing because we tried one other service uh, around the same time and they wouldn't get back to you for weeks. They, they never, like they were supposed to have some kind of algorithm that guessed what you liked and everything. They never updated our profile. It was just not a good experience at all, but I, I highly mm -hmm. recommend Psalm Select. We look forward to getting that box every month for sure. Awesome, let me write that down. Yeah, it's SOMMselect.com. There's no referral fees or anything like that, so I don't get anything for telling you about it. <laughs> okay. But maybe, hey, um, maybe this will get popping and then uh, they can sponsor me. I'll take that sponsorship all day. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And then you can hire me to work for you in sales and I'll get more sponsorships for you. I, I'm down. I'm down for the cause. If I can get wine, I don't, I don't think the, the quality will maintain, not that there's much quality for me speaking anyways, but I don't think it'll maintain if you start giving me free wine. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, I just don't like those nitrate hangovers. So that would be the only downside, of course, if that went that route. But I, I'm sure yeah. I'd find a way to manage, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, you do. I know so, I have. So since you brought up wine, uh, what, what is your wine of choice? What do you usually find yourself going to? Not specific to a brand, but like uh, what type? Uh, Cabernet. Oh, uh, your cab. Okay. And why, why cab? Why, cab what's it do for you? Uh, I don't know. I think I like the boldness of it mm -hmm. and um, a little, uh, I, I'm probably sounding real ignorant, but like a, almost a cocoa or coffee type mm -hmm. taste, underlying taste in it. So I, I don't know. Somebody introduced me to it years ago and I've been drinking it ever since. Okay. Uh, I'm not mad at that. Cab is definitely one of the broader ranges of wine and has a lot uh, of different types and everything. So if you were going with a wine, that'd probably be the safest one because you could go so many different ways with it. Um, yes. This year we discovered, I think it was this year, it might've been last year. Yeah, it was probably last year actually, uh, when we actually were in Italy, uh, we discovered Brunello's and oh man, I have not had a bad Brunello yet. And I'd never even heard of that type of wine until recently, but man, Brunello's are amazing. Wow, is that red? Yes, yes, uh, okay. it's a, Italian red um, and I'm not going to lie. One of the main reasons we selected the apartment building we did is because they have a store mm -hmm. on the first floor that has just tons of wine and like good quality wine and not the prices are comparative to, uh, excuse me, comparative to where you would get it at another store, including liquor stores and cheaper actually than a lot of liquor stores around here. Uh, and they have these amazing Brunellos and we were like, we we're going to wait for some reason to celebrate. And I don't remember what we were celebrating anymore, <laughs> but uh, we got uh, got one of the Brunellos and oh man, never looked back. It's just an amazing type of wine. It's one of the, it's my favorite of the moment. Uh, but I used to for the long many years. I used to drink Sangiovese, uh, which is another Italian red. Okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, 
I think trying wine is probably one of the best experiences, but the problem is, unlike trying a beer, uh, you got a lot more wine if you don't like it. That's a big, <laughs> you got to commit. Yeah, right. So. That becomes a problem. Um, interesting fact, um, there are wineries in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk so much crap about New Jersey because I got other friends who are from New Jersey and it's just fun to, but no, that, I mean, that is interesting. I, I wonder, do you know what kind of wines they primarily make? Is it cab? Um, no. Um, I think it's all types, and quite frankly, I've been to a couple of um, wine tasting events, mm -hmm. and um, some of them I find the wines to be terrible. But <laughs> um, they make a good sangria. Yeah, I want to say it's shocking to me that New Jersey wine wouldn't be the top quality uh, producer. I would expect nothing less from the great state of Jersey. You know, Garden State and wine, that's what you think of, right, when you think of Jersey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there is one, it's called Jersey, I think it's called Jersey or Jersey something, and that's pretty good. Um, and I don't like white wine, but I like their white wine. Um, so there are some, but, you know, there are, in my opinion, a lot more that I don't like. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, that's an interesting fact. People don't, you know, think about wineries in New Jersey, but they're here. Uh, there is wineries here in Florida as well, and I have no intention to ever try them. Now, the breweries in Florida are good. You can get uh -huh. good beer in Florida, particularly Cigar City uh, in Tampa. Amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not trying to drink any Florida wine, and maybe that's uh, biased of me, but I'm cool with being biased sometimes. That's fine. Mm -hmm. so, I don't need Florida man and Florida woman uh, making my wine. That's not somewhere I'm trying to go. All right. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> So do you have, have you heard any good uh, Florida man stories? I know, again, for people who don't live here, because I've lived here now for uh, just across 10 years. Yeah, it'll actually be 10 years in a couple of days. But um, what is your favorite Florida man story that you're aware of? You know, we got the face-eating zombie. We got some good ones out there. Florida man? I don't even know what that is. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? I'm you serious. Know? So Florida man is... Oh man, I don't even know Brandon, how. You know how old I am, don't you? But again, okay. All it is is that there's a lot of crazy stories that come out of Florida, and for whatever mm -hmm. reason, newscasters used to start with "Florida man does X," and it was always something nuts or crazy, and so people started collecting them uh, on the internet and starting all the Florida man stories. And so you know, you got Florida man gets arrested for trying to buy beer with a gator. Uh, Florida man <laughs> eats another man's face. You know, oh man, there's just so many. Just type in Florida man. And then any date or anything like that, and you'll see they're just—they're nuts. They're absolutely insane. Oh Lord! Okay, now <laughs> you got me doing something for in my pastime, which I don't have a lot of, but I'll find a way. It's—it's it's a good way to add levity to the situation, particularly because you live in Jersey uh, and you don't live in Florida. If you live in Florida, it could actually be a little bit scary sometimes because sometimes they get a little bit close. You're like, wait, I know where that's at. <laughs> I need not to go back over there maybe for a little bit of time. But if, with you being in Jersey, you're like, man, just have your, uh, your Jersey wine and take a good deep laugh at the people in Florida and all the nonsense we get into. I will certainly do that for sure. <laughs> Florida, man, that's too funny. All right, so let's let's circle back around to to your business. Tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, it sounds like you're doing some kind of you're doing a little bit of business consulting and everything. How'd you get started in that? Um, well, so when I was at my last job, I was miserable. Um, I literally um, did not enjoy anything about it, and I started to think, you know, I need to start to get back to what I know and what I 
um, enjoy doing, and that's grant writing. Um, so I basically created a plan. Um, I lost that job uh, last year, and that gave me the motivation to really um, to really start to build my business. And it also gave me the time to do it as well. Um, so that's what I did. And now I am enjoying life. I'm enjoying work. Um, I have um, creative freedom, which is always nice. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm back to, you know, grant writing, which is what I love to do. And, and graphic design and things like that, I also enjoy. Um, but grant writing is really what I love to do. And I can, I, I do a good job at it. Um, so I, I kind of came back to, I circled back around. So my career um, in grant writing started in Ohio. And um, from that point on, I did have other careers, but um, when I moved back to New Jersey, I became a grant writer for um, a very um, wonderful organization called Eva's Village. And, um, and I, I just really enjoyed the work. So since leaving in Eva's Village, I've done other jobs and I've been in grant writing, but my last job, um, I was in a, a recruitment um, situation where I was uh, responsible for recruiting volunteers. And um, that just isn't what I do. And it isn't what I enjoy doing. Um, so, you know, again, after losing that job and, you know, just having the time to really put my thoughts on paper and decide what I want to do, where I want to go with this. Um, that's, that just gave me the motivation to do it. And I'm so happy I did, especially at this time where things are so uncertain, you know, um, like I said, it, it, it somewhat created opportunities for my business. Um, although I would prefer not to have had the pandemic, um, you know, provide me that, that opportunity, but, um, yeah, so it's been it's been wonderful. My my business is growing um, slowly but surely. It's not even been a year, and it officially became a registered business in July of 2020. So um, yeah, it's um, really working out. It's you know not easy, of course, but it's definitely rewarding. And I'm working with a lot of um, great nonprofit organizations that are doing really phenomenal work in their communities and throughout the nation. And so it's really nice to be a part of that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I did, uh, prior to this, I did go and I checked out your website and just looked over some of the stuff that you have there. Did you use a, a website creator? Did you hire someone to do that? How did you get that started? I basically went through GoDaddy. <laughs> gotcha. um, so I, um, you know, somewhat did it myself and it's still a work in progress, but, um, you know, they pretty much give you everything you need to, to build the website and then they hosted. And so that made it easy because um, as far as that type of technology, I am so far from being sophisticated that it's not even funny, um, but I've learned a lot. Um, since doing this and developing my own site. So, yeah. So did you have the site set up before the pandemic kind of got uh, going or did you already have, uh, or did you do it after? I did have the site up. Um, it didn't have nearly as the information that it has now, but I did have it up. 
and then I took it down for a little bit so that I can kind of reorganize and restructure. Um, and then during the pandemic, I, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I redid it and that's what you see now. And again, it's still a work in progress, but yeah. You so had the business prior to the pandemic. Let's dive into How did that where go into now working in a what's largely a digital environment and a digital business. How was that pivot for you? Did you find it difficult in the beginning or it seems like it actually picked up a little bit when the pandemic got going for you, as you mentioned earlier. So I just want to know how that pivot was for you and if there was anything that you kind of had to learn on the fly. Ooh, I'm still learning things on the fly, Brandon. <laughs> I learn things on the fly every day um, with, with my business. Um, yeah, so it, I kind of, um, how do I want to put this? Um, it just kind of evolved. You know, um, at, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was actually, I take that back, I was very busy in January. Um, and even February, then March hit and things began to slow between March and April, and then they picked up again over the summer. Um, but I also had to redirect my focus on um, the clientele I really wanted to work with. And I really wanted to work with those nonprofit organizations that um, do not currently have a lot of grant funding. Um, like for example, one organization I'm working with, they have been solely funded by the local government for their 40 year existence. And, or is it 50 year, 40 or 50. Um, and now, you know, with the pandemic, things are gonna start to change. Um, the government's not gonna have uh, that amount of money that they probably had in 2019 and years prior. You know, things are going to change and people have to start, these organizations need to start diversifying their funding. So I'm happy to kind of come in on the ground level and help them to acquire grant funding that they never had before other than that local government. So that will allow, enable them to do more, to help more um, of those in need and um, really help to advance their mission in a meaningful way. Now, are you expecting to kind of dry up as the financial impacts of this pandemic hit the government? Uh, I know that since it is basically free money in a lot of ways, obviously they, it's competitive, but it is somewhat free money. I, I just wonder how the financial outlook for the grant industry is. Well, you know, that remains to be seen and we're all trying to figure that out. Um, I, uh, one thing I can say that I've seen is um, a jump in, or let me put it like this, um, funding agencies have been very responsive to the pandemic in that they have, um, you know, either accepted or, uh, proposals on a rolling basis where, you know, maybe the year before they accepted it once a year or twice a year. Um, some of them are speeding up the process, the approval process and the awarding process, um, you know, where a, a foundation might have taken, you know, four months to um, give you the grant money. Um, now it's taking like 30 to 45 days. So um, there are those good cha changes that have happened in response to the pandemic. I don't know how it's going to be in the future. I think 
personally, I think this is going to be a five-year recovery for at least this country, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, or I hope, that um, these funding agencies will continue to step up to the plate um, because um, organizations can't function with, without that support. You know, they, what, what they typically did in the past to fundraise, they're not able to do anymore. Um, or they, they're able to do it, but in a very different way. So they're trying, struggling trying to figure out how do we do this? How do we um, make this work? How do we raise $150,000 from a gala when, you know, you can't be there face-to-face -face and have a silent auction, for example? So there's going to be a lot of change and I'm, I'm hoping and I'm optimistic that um, funders, both private and public, will, will rise, continue to rise to the occasion. Do you think, so you touched on there just some of the concerns you have with how they have to pivot again to a non-in-person uh, gala and things like that, but I, I wonder how you think this is going to look over the course of this recovery because for my own prediction you know not having any uh inside information or anything about this but it does look like we are headed for a correction in the stock market and potentially the economy and potentially that'll have ripples to a lot of other mm -hmm. industries so i'm just wondering do you worry about the donors getting a little bit tighter with their wallets as we entered into a phase potentially uh of tighter spending, you know, and so which also would mean probably tighter donations as well. So the answer to that is yes, um, particularly with individual giving, right? Because we're all being impacted. Um, a good portion of people have, you know, lost their job or they've had to, um, you know, change their spending habits because they don't have the, the same income coming in. Um, there are going to be some changes and tightening of the wallets with respect to individual giving. Um, like I said, the, the, and, and I believe in the government as well, because, well, obviously, you know, we're doing all these um, stimulus <laughs> um, uh, things and, and, and helping out um, state governments and such. Um, it's kind of like, where's the money going to come from? At some point, there's going to be a tightening of, of the, you know, of the wallet. So um, I guess the answer is yes. I, I do foresee that um, potentially being a problem. And that's where I'm hoping that other sources like the private sector will help um, to help bridge that gap for these nonprofit organizations. Without seeing this as an attempt to announce your age again or anything like that, were you in this uh, this arena back when the 2008 financial crisis happened? Or were you in a different arena um, then? I was in a different arena. Actually, I was um, a real estate agent, and that's when I moved back to New Jersey. Okay. So I was a product, or I felt the burn of that recession. I couldn't find a job, whereas prior to that, um, you know, I could you know kind of find employment like that um but it took me a while and when i did find employment it was in grant writing okay and one of the reasons i was asking and obviously i don't i don't know that you'll be able to answer this now but uh i was kind of wondering 
had you experienced it in that financial recession and seeing what it was like then and if you're predicting something like that again or if you think it'll be different again because the conditions of this one obviously are different we're not seeing a housing bubble burst we're seeing more so uh a global recession based upon people not being able to go out and earn a living or spend as they normally would in our economy is basically being built around that consumerism i think it is um very much the same and um a, a bit different in that, um, you know, this this pandemic is really something different, right? Um, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. I can just tell you that it's, it's I, I believe that it's going to be a longer recovery than what we experienced in 2008. And it's going to be a more difficult recovery. That's my prediction. So I'm not an expert, but just bringing the optimism with all this right now, everybody should feel really good after hearing you say things like that. <laughs> no, I want to be more optimistic, but you know, I also believe in telling you the truth. So um, that that's what um, my concern is, and what terrifies me actually. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's legitimate. Uh, I know I was joking before, but I'm not by any means thinking that's a pessimistic view. I think that's a very realistic view. And there's mm -hmm. been calls from many of the financial experts this entire year saying the stock market has become uncoupled from reality. And we know what happens when the stock market crashes. We know that that, again, has ripples throughout everything. We know that the Fed has basically been printing money for a lot of the year as well. And that can't continue mm -hmm. for much longer. We know that we're right. seeing some uh, historic unemployment numbers. We know that we yes. don't have the, again, the normal consumerism that we do. I know from a mm -hmm. personal perspective as well, the, 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 the interest rate has gone down. And so the savings rate has gone down. So they're in a state of actively trying to encourage people to spend, which is generally what they do when they, uh, the economy shrinks. So I right. do have some, a lot of concerns because in the midst of everything that's going on, we're also seeing the stock market go higher than it ever has before. And that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And those two factors should not be going on simultaneously. And so that makes me concerned for what's going right. to come in the near future. Because again, those are exactly the type of situations you see when a bubble bursts, when the dot-com bubble bursts, when the 2008 housing bubble bursts. Bubbles burst mm -hmm. based upon reality and uh, the economy not being in sync. Or peace yes. in the economy, let's say, because that's been screamed at me by many of the financial, uh, personal financial writers I follow on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. The stock market is not the economy, no matter how much we say it is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and we have an election coming up and that always um, affects the stock market. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, even in a small way, it, it's definitely going to, no matter what happens in this upcoming election, I think there's, there's going to be an effect to the stock market. And that scares me. Well, and that's so that's interesting to me because, again, taking a slightly optimistic, even though it's st still a bad thing long term, uh, mm -hmm. because the stock market is so inflated right now, that mm -hmm. downturn around the stock, uh, excuse me, the election time may actually be somewhat insulated because of that. Now, my fear is, and they've been saying this for a while, especially with the rise of Robinhood, uh, there is a lot of inexperienced investors. And let me say something because I got into trouble for saying that phrase before in a conversation with somebody. That is not meant to be a, a diss to anyone. It's not meant to be a detrimental right. phrase about your experience. It's just simply that you're investing 
in your early in your investing uh, career. That's all that means, you know, in, in experienced mm -hmm. investors, it basically means that they just don't have a lot of experience and they haven't invested for very long. And so that's a lot of people who are driving this. And the reason that's important is if we do start to see those corrections, that's going to start a sell off. Mm -hmm. And if there are a lot mm -hmm. of the people who have been pushing the market as high as it has, they're not all of them because they just don't have the money or the economic power to do that then you're going right. to start to see a real recession, a real correction. And because these people are inexperienced, they're not used to those type of downturns. They're used to the decline and it's going to start right. to sell off and we're going to shoot down to the bottom. So I, I'm hopeful in that the, because we're so high and, and uh, excuse me, inflated right now, that we'll be somewhat insulated from the normal presidential downturn. But I am mm -hmm. also careful of that, that once a downturn comes, which is normal around uh, presidential elections, as you just said, that the people who don't know that and haven't seen that before get scared and start selling like crazy yeah yep so yeah it's there's just so much uncertainty right now in in a lot of different areas and we just touched on a few mm -hmm. i think not to take the position of a nihilist or anything like that but the world is chaos and learning to manage that and find out yeah. how you live in that is really i think one of the ways to remain happy and optimistic. Because again, once you know that fact, you can kind of deal with that fact. But I think a lot of people have this sense that the world is a series of rules, a series of uh, things that have to happen. And it's just mm -hmm. simply not the case. Things just happen all the time. And you just have to ride that wave and hope that it happens in your favor. And if it doesn't, you know, adjust and keep moving on the best you can, you know? Yeah, get my perspective. So. Mm -hmm. I, to I totally agree. That's no fun. This is never going to be interesting to watch if you don't disagree with me and we don't start a vehement argument about something. You know what I mean? So we can, we can dive into uh, sports. We can dive into anything that will just really get your blood boiling and going. But you're drinking wine right now, so it might take a little bit longer. Exactly. Nothing's going to get my blood boiling at this point. Well, let, let me send you a bottle of whiskey and we do this whole thing because I, I think whiskey can get that, that attitude out. <laughs> it can. Definitely. A little bit of Jack, for sure. Oh, you won't know what'll come out. Who knows what'll come out of my mouth then? Let's <laughs> so that again. Well, we'll do that on episode uh, the next time you come back on, because we'll have to do this again for sure. Uh, awesome. I would like to. Outstanding. So before we, we go, uh, I've been starting this, this again. This isn't very experienced or anything like that. I haven't been doing it a long time, but I, I'm trying to ask people if when I put this episode up, what do you think your tagline should be? Oh. While you're thinking, I want to say this for anybody who may see this, and this is a direct ripoff of Dace Samero. They ask people for <laughs> rainbows and their neon signs and things like that. I'm absolutely stealing that core concept because I think it conceptualizes what people think of what they've said over the past hour or whatever it is. Hmm. Brandon, you, you stumped me with that one. What should my tagline be? Um, I'm thinking back to the Real Housewives, so, <laughs> but I don't think they do their own taglines. So huh. I hope they do because those things are so stupid. If they don't write them, somebody's getting paid for writing. <laughs> I'm in the wrong career for sure. I definitely think that somebody's writing it for them. I could be wrong, but I definitely think they are. Um, man, what would my tagline be? Staying sane through a global pandemic? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. We would definitely go with trying that. Trying to keep mentally healthy during a global pandemic. Uh, trying not to, you know, um, uh, 
kill my husband during a global pandemic. You know, the, the, the normal stuff, you know, Look, and not to try to get too annoyed. <laughs> you, you talked earlier about your neighbor shooting her husband, and now you're mentioning you trying not to kill your husband. I'm just saying, if the court comes and asks for this tape, it might have got, it might get lost, it might not. I don't know. We'll have to see, but that's not looking good for you right now. Come on, Brandon. We, we've known each other for a long time now, okay? You got to lose that, that the, the, the recording if, you know, the law, law comes after me now. I've been telling you people this for years. Back. I've been telling people this for years, and I, I think that they don't think I'm serious. I'm a gold digger. If they offer me money, I'm going to sell anybody I know out, for sure. I'm selling everybody out. Fair enough. I appreciate the honesty. Well, I just, I don't want them to do a documentary and people are like, I can't believe he sold me out. You should have known. I've told you. You should definitely know I'm going to sell you out. I don't want to hear I didn't know. We had no idea. You, that's because you don't listen. And that's exactly why I sold you out. <laughs> well, in all fairness, I would never harm my husband because I love him to pieces. So oh, yeah. yeah, that doesn't and sound he... like you're covering up now. <laughs> no, seriously. He is yeah. my best friend. I don't know if you know this, but we were high school sweethearts. I did not. And, know then we, and we reconnected after, I don't know, 30 years. He got married. I got married and divorced. And we both had kids, you know, with other, uh, our spouse, uh, our exes. And then um, we kind of double backed, kind of reconnected. And here we are 11 years later and we're married. Uh, I'm that is romantic as all crap, but uh, for me, it seems super scary because uh, I, I have no intentions of breaking up with my girlfriend by any means. I'm just saying that if something happened down the line, I don't want to marry anybody I went to high school with. I can't see a single person I went to high school with being my, somehow my my soulmate, you know, and that just scares the crap. I mean, whenever I hear people say about that, I'm like, I'm, I'm very happy for you. That Again, that sounds like uh, an epic love poem and that type of stuff. But I know who I went to high school with and they I know what they know about me. So I just can't see it being anything other than a settling. I think <laughs> if I marry somebody from high school, it's certainly me and them looking at it like, we ain't gonna do nothing else. Come on. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's going to be. I can't see my, <laughs> my love story ending that way for sure. Well, that means that you found you have your um, soulmate now. Uh, absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. And we didn't go to high school together so, at all. We went to different high schools together, but <laughs> that's it. So. Uh <laughs> so, all right, Cindy. Well, thank you very much for joining me and having this great You're conversation. Welcome. It was great to catch up. We haven't, again, like I said, we haven't talked in like 15 years and let's make sure that we don't let it go another 15 years before that happens again. So uh, Okay. Thanks. And I'll thanks. come back anytime you want me to. And I will be emailing, uh, emailing you with, um, you know, some people that I know. Give me people you don't like. I want to terrorize them. I want, I want to go in on somebody and they're like, why'd you send me that? I'm like, now, you know, I don't like you. <laughs> he said all the things I want to say. <laughs> so. I'll work on that. Cause I know some really obnoxious people, Brandon. Okay. I can make I that happen. It. For I sure. love it. I'm in the business of Jerry Springer and I need clicks. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Take care. Right. I'll talk well, to you later. Okay. You too.